about Jaden Rashada, and there's specific money info in the story. 500k up front payment, and as much as 300 to 400k a month while he was there at Florida. Again, he never got there, and from what I understand, Coach G up in Wisconsin says in the story, it says he never got the money, never got the payment. But Buck, what did you think when you saw this? Yeah, it was interesting, Bill. Um, I read that article, and, you know, it's always good to know the background. And, you know, Andy's been on top of it. He's a Florida grad by, by trade, but, man, he just he's all over that stuff, right? And, you know, it was a formal call. So he, when he's writing articles, I usually really like to dig in because he, he gets to the heart of it and, and knows what's happening. And it just – a lot – it was a lot of layers. But the one angle that I looked at the most is – these guys aren't ready for that pressure that comes with them. I mean, hell, I was a 20-something-year-old rookie and just remember how tough it was, and my contract wasn't anywhere near the money that they were talking about for this kid. So I think that was the part that kind of struck me, and even as, a, as I kept hearing these things and I keep hearing about NIF, it looked like the difficulty for some of these kids and young guys that, you know, what they're going to have to face. And that's not good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it's great when you can get the money. If you're making the money of a first-round pick like Kenny Pickett, I think there was a comparison to and you haven't even stepped on a campus yet, there's a lot that goes into that. And the mental part of it, I don't think people really understand. Um, I mean, you can understand even if you get in your first job how exciting but also the anxiety that goes just along with that. The very first time you're going to go into a corporate job or whatever your your first job is but to be on a college campus and making three five ten times more than what your other uh counterparts are making and expected to be the savior i don't know if that's always a good thing for those young guys tells our buckle with us is it ever going to come out which dude in that collective made this call who the heck agreed to this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey some, that was a bad decision, right? Bad business decision. Yeah, it, it, I, I hope it does because, you know, we can get mad at the kid. But, Bill, if you or I or any parent were in that position, as much as we might have some issues with it, if, you're, if your kids are able to earn that or that's their value, they're going to look at it because, you know, we kind of thought, oh, yeah, well, everything was under the table in the past. I think it's gotten even more seedy now with these situations because it's already hard enough for an adult and an agent to vet, you know, our young adult. Let me just say a younger adult to, uh, to vet marketing people and people that are coming, coming at you. But just imagine if you're 17, 18 years old and you're trying to vet these kind of folks too that, that's that's not easy and i don't care how savvy your parents are or how much advice they get those folks start thinking about the money think about the percentage of what they could get if they're able to help rashada get that collective money so to answer your question yeah i think it'd be nice to know and i hope that comes out and in all these situations generally if it's a bad deal that's done like that generally the the, the the guy that did it or the person that did it usually comes out in some way, shape, or form. I'd love to hear that because it's not a very good business decision. He might be smart in how he runs his business, 
but look at how he's doing that. And, I, and that's a good point because I've had some conversations about owners and, you know, people in positions like that when they run franchises. Some of the same things that you're seeing in that collective are being done on the 32 league, you know, the shield level or other situations in, in pro sports where people make bad decisions but they're allowed to because of their net worth and their value. And I think we take it for granted that, that, that just because they make those decisions and they have money mean they're going to make wise decisions, and that's not always the case. Buck, I saw, and I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if this is even legit. But there's a story that Byron Leftwich has reached out to Marcus Freeman or in some way or fashion – fashion they're communicating about the Notre Dame offensive coordinator position I don't know if you know anything about that but would that be a good idea I don't watch the NFL enough to know how Byron Leftwich just did at Tampa Bay or when he was in Arizona etc yeah I'd be a little shocked if he went that way I mean it's not to say he couldn't but it's just it's look it's different to me but it could be the situation that Notre Dame wants to really run a pro-style attack. And, and remember now, Leftwich, when he was at Mar- uh, Marshall, I used to call his games. They ran a spread attack, and he's been in the spread system. And even in some of the things that were going on in Tampa Bay, he was able to have enough spread for Tom Brady. Uh, it worked out one year, the next year not so much. And I was a little bit sh- surprised. But I think if we're hearing about that, I wouldn't be shocked because – Maybe Byron wants to get himself in order, and maybe he wants to coach on the college level. That's the other thing that we, you know, we may have to take into consideration. He looked at some opportunities in the NFL, and I thought he had a real good shot at getting them. But maybe this is a way for him to go and say, okay, let me get some of this college experience and actually be, become a college head coach. Because I know he's going to be a head coach one day. I just think he went from the penthouse to the outhouse really quickly in that situation, and that's kind of what happens when you're dealing with an aging quarterback or when you're, when you're in a situation where they're going to make a wholesale change. There was a lot of change at Tampa, and I'm interested to see how that's going to work out for Todd Bowles long-term. But Byron Leftwich is probably looking at it now saying, hey, there's some real good opportunities maybe on the college level to work from that perspective and also become a college head coach. That, that's that's kind of my thought. I don't know. I've seen that name. I've seen some of those articles, but I just don't know if that means uh, they're really serious about it. I will say this. Tommy Reese going to Alabama. Tommy Reese's dad, Bill Reese, was on the staff at UCLA. He was a coach on, a, on the field, but he was also one of the great recruiting coordinators, man. He was one of those first guys that got out there and recruited nationally. He had myself, Brian Jones, Reggie Moore, all from Texas, Frank Cornish from Chicago. Before us, it was – you know, Kenny Easley from Virginia Beach, Matt Darby from Virginia Beach, uh, Alan Dow from Anniston, Alabama. I mean, I, I, the names are endless of guys from at UCLA that mixed in with the California guys that were really, really high-caliber cal- kids, but also they went all over the country. And, you know, Bill Reese was one of the first guys to do that. I know he's still working uh, either Notre Dame or he was at Wake Forest. I can't remember. But Tommy, that's a great move for Tommy Reese as a 30-year-old uh, assistant, because it seems like whenever you get with Nick Saban, you get anointed and you get touched, right? So good opportunity for Tommy. Uh, and going back to Byron Leffert's real quick, think about Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was at Alabama. Now he's at New England as an OC. It, 
the, the lines are blurred between college and pro now, and I think some coaches are really looking at guys that can help them win and help them help kids understand, hey, this is how you can get to the next level. So I'm, I'm interested to see if that will work out for Leftwich and Freeman. Does our buckle with us. What about Kevin Steele, his addition to Alabama on the defense? Hey, man, I just want to be in Kevin Steele's uh, – Council man, he knows how to make some money. What was that? He made uh, for three days, nine hundred thousand or something. What, what was it? He he he's like an IT guy. He's the IT guy that's coaching that knows how to parlay success. And I think Auburn wanted him. And if they had their druthers, they would have picked him before they got Harson. Uh, good defensive coordinator, always puts his players in position to make plays. He's had some bad spots. I don't think Nick's going to allow that because Nick is still going to be very, 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 let me say it again, very involved in the defense, right? Uh, I think for, for Kevin Steele, he has to also thank uh, Jeremy Pruitt for some of the asinine stuff he was doing that got himself in trouble. So he's still kind of toxic, so to speak, because I think they really wanted Jeremy Pruitt. But for Kevin Steele, great opportunity. He's going to have five, five or four-star players that can make plays. And he seems to be a pretty good – X and O guy when he has really good guys that can play. So I think that's a good move for both parties. Uh, it gives Nick somebody that he can chew out and, and lean on and wear the hell out and blame if things go poorly. But I think Nick is going to start getting back to a more established run play action game with Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele will be a guy that he can help uh, solidify that defense now that he's been in the SEC and made a whole lot of money. Buck Somehow, some way, it was either Saturday or Sunday. I don't even remember. It's so irrelevant. But I, my my TV was on, and it was the Pro Bowl competition where they had players out there running, racing, jumping. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. And I have zero interest in that. Are they ever at some point? And I understand. Look, if if people don't like it, just don't watch it. Same with bowl games. And I don't care how many bowl games there are, but. Is the Pro Bowl at some point just going to die? All it of sure it? Seems like it. Yeah, Bill, it sure seems like it. I watched five seconds of the clip of dodgeball. And, I, I mean, I remember <laughs> playing dodgeball growing up, and Saquon Barkley got hit in the head, and I was like, what are we doing here? I mean, I, I know I know what they're trying to do, and it, I understand. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I didn't watch not a second of flag football, basically, or seven-on-seven. Seven. I think the problem is, the, the injury factor and the fact that guys didn't want to play. I mean, you can see guys backing out. So they want to make it an event. But I don't know if this is the right way about going about it. I think they're going to give it a try for a couple of years. I won't watch it. <laughs> I'm wondering if a lot of people will because I hadn't heard much talk about it. But I think it gives them a chance to showcase and highlight guys that, are, you know, that, that were Pro Bowl caliber players. But the minute somebody gets hurt in this, I think it'll go away. It'll, they'll, they'll try to find something fun with it. I think they're trying to make it a, a watchable event. I just don't know if it is. I mean, Buck, obviously I'm never going to know what that feels like. But if I'm a player who's good enough, not only to be in the NFL, but to be in the Pro Bowl, that means I got a lot of money. I can go to Hawaii or wherever they're going to have this event, right, somewhere in Florida, wherever, <laughs> anytime I want. At that point in the year, I don't want to be traveling or doing – I want to be at home with my family. Well, the other thing is, like you see even companies when you have great years, it used to be there to give you a trip. Now they they, they monetize it. So 
I think what they're still trying to do is monetize the Pro Bowl because the winning team gets a certain amount and the losing team gets a certain amount. But my thought is, hey, let's honor those guys. Let's, you know, if they want a big steak dinner, they want to go to Vegas and hang out and do something, you know, have a dance competition, something funny or fun, okay, I'm okay with that. But I don't know if these events are really going to get the skill challenge of the quarterbacks always seems to get people interested. And it was, a, you know, we got a great line out of Derek Carr <laughs> about not, you know, if he had been as hot as he was in that event, he might have still been in Vegas. But for the most part, I think you're going to get what you get. And we have to accept that until they figure out a way to kind of make that an event where people will watch and there's something interesting for the players to be involved in as well. Buck, about 20 years ago, I don't remember the year, but about 20 years ago, they had the Beach Bowl, remember? And Robert Edwards totally annihilated his knee. That yeah. should have been it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they were actually doing something on the beach, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was in sand. Yeah, it was sand, volley. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, they were playing football on the beach. And, yeah, he. I mean, and you know what was interesting about that? I think Robert Edwards came back shortly, but he was never the same. No. And I, I agree with you. The way football is so violent, you don't want to lose a guy in that, in the off season, right, in the bowl season. So, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, finding a way to honor them, but then also not get them hurt. Because we talk about, listen, the league is great about, hey, we want to protect our players. We want to do this with our players. This CTE stuff is real. There's an article that just came out about it yesterday about the brains that they looked at from NFL players. It's an issue. The whole protection stuff is bullcrap to me because you're going to play 18 games and you're going to play on a no 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 make it even worse you're going to play on a Sunday and then a Thursday your body my body was never designed for that your body nobody's body was designed for that so it's all about the bag so just tell me you want to make a whole lot of money off this event and let's figure out how to do it as opposed to telling me some BS about oh we want to get the fans involved no you don't you just want another way to have the shield being pumped up. And I love that I played in the NFL, but there's some things that they do that just are asinine, and they just keep doing them because we allow them to do that. That's the kind of stuff that, that burns you sometimes about when you watch this league and some of the things they try to peddle to you to make you think, oh, yeah, it's all about the players and the fans. Okay, I'm, if, I'm, if I see BS, I'm going to call BS, and I think we all can see BS with that one. Toes up, Buckle, every Tuesday is with us. Buck, appreciate it very much, sir. Have a good day. We'll see you next week. Hey, Bill, have a good one. Thank you, man. There he is. Buck, always with us and is very informative. Yeah, we'll have Gator Dave on in about, oh, that'd be about 40 minutes. Yep. And we'll talk about the latest. Now, again, Jaden Rashad did not do, and I understand if you're a Gator. You just want to put this behind you. I get that. But there's still shock value here. Now, again, we knew the number was at least reportedly. I, I doubted it. <laughs>